I did not know that Juliette Lewis had been a child actress when we decided to cover her for the podcast. All I knew was that she was in August Osage County. Here I am trying to find where you were reading this because I'm also on her Wikipedia oh, and I under, don't see it at all. It's under life and career. I also skipped a bunch of things. <laughs> she has eight siblings. Wow. Brothers or half brothers, Lightfield. She's a brother named Lightfield. That is like no eugenics, but it should not be allowed. Oh, and she has a sister named Deidre. Deidre. All right, should we, um, anyways, why did we choose Julia Lewis? Because she's always playing weirdos, and I think that that's fun. All right, well, let's get started let's with get the pod. St- I love this candid conversation we had before. Welcome. Hello! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you forgot how to do it. I did. Okay. One, two, okay. One, two, three. Hello! <laughs> One, five. We always go down from five. Okay. Five, Five, four, four, three, three, two, one. Hello! And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the select filmography of underrated actresses. Season three. Today, we are beginning our journey through the filmography of Juliette Lewis. Lewis. Juliette Lake Lewis. Beginning with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which was released in 1989, written by John Hughes, directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik. (laughs) Um, about a fucked up family at Christmas. And we also have a very special guest, Mr. Joey D'Alessio. Hello. Happy to be on the show. Joey is our one time and... and long time. Long time and now, not more than once, but now current again. 30 time audio engineer. <laughs> engineer to the stars. Yes. Sitting in his living room because we don't have to zoom anymore because we live in an 85% vaccinated city. I'm getting my booster shot this Sunday. <gasps> Joey, you're famously unvaccinated. Tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> because I just hate everyone around me. Yeah. You talked to your doctors. They said it was fine. Yeah, you know, was... I've just been taking all this horse tranquilizer. I've been bathing in borax. I've got all my bases covered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why you're sitting on your couch. Um, well, thanks for having us, and thank you for having us. This is a very nice apartment, as I said, off mic earlier, but oh. now that I say it on mic, you know that it's genuine. Thank you very I'm much. putting it on public record, Joey has a very nice apartment. Yeah. Um, Located at... <laughs> his address is... Um, all right, so... All right. Um, so this was my first time watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Same. Was it your first time? I watched it twice today alone, and then I grew up watching it. Okay. And so. then you grew up watching it. And then I grew up watching it. Not before. Yes, of course. No, yeah. you don't truly grew up until time you actually linear. watch it. Joey watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for the first time today, immediately jumped into the time machine that is tucked very well into the corner of his living room, mm. almost unnoticeable, went back in time to his childhood and showed it to himself at the age of five so that he could appreciate it throughout the years. I mean, that is how the original was meant to be seen. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have done that. Did you? Okay, I think <laughs> I think that we're about to have a Muriel's wedding situation with this movie. Oh, no, we're not. Okay. Oh, wait, did you love it? I hated it. Oh, thank God. Me too. Okay. <laughs> you mean like a reverse Muriel's wedding? Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't hate Muriel's wedding. Well, Jamie Green hated Muriel's wedding. But is he the main co-host? That's, I, okay. He's the Megan McCain of the Tony Awards. <laughs> and he will never know that I said that because he's not going to listen to this. And we're going to have him on again soon. We're going to have him on very soon. Um, yeah, so... I, I I do think that as I was watching this movie, I was like, because I often watch movies that I loved as a, as a kid, and I'm like, is, is this good? No. Will I watch it till the end and probably again later today? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, lately I've been regressing a lot, which uh, yeah. is a term Brandon learned in social work school, and... Um, <laughs> I've been regressing a lot and just putting on Harry Potter whenever I feel the slightest inconvenience in my life. Mm. It's actually really helpful. Yeah. I think the flip side is that I think Harry Potter is actually a good movie. Yeah. But I do watch a lot of bad movies, probably. That's true. But there's just the nostalgia taint. 
I will say, if we want to go through from the beginning of the movie, I love an animated opening sequence. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Totally. Phenomenal. Um, I do think that me hating this movie is because COVID broke me, and I'm unable to... Find humor. Enjoy sincerity, really. Because this, to me, seemed more, uh, like... But in other ways, did COVID break you also because you're unable to enjoy middle America anymore? Yeah, I mean... And also well, as, narratives around middle-aged white men. As a lifelong East Coaster, I've never had the same connection to middle America that you do, Jake. Sure. Uh, oh, you're saying you're upper class and elitist? No, Leftist, just... New England, <laughs> liberal... Neil... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a neoliberal elitist. Um, mm. So, Joey, sell us on this movie. I, that's really hard to do, given the movie. <laughs> well, we're going to lose so many followers. Yeah. Because I feel like people really like this movie. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got Juliette Lewis in it, so, I mean, you can't go wrong there. As a 16-year-old, though, so As a 16-year-old. Yeah, playing a 16-year-old, because when was she born? 70, 73? 70. Something like that? 72, 73? God, She's we 48 now. 73, yes. Gosh, she looks really good for 48. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, way to go, Brad Wilk. She... Right, so apparently this character was played in the previous... This is the third movie in right. the series, apparently. Yeah. But it's also the most successful. Yes. And she's the other... She's the third actress to play this role. But I yeah. guess it's because it's a kid. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah the parents were the same for every movie, but sure. then they switched out the kids every time. Yeah, but there are a lot of references to the other movies. Like, you know, they drink out of Wally World glasses, and they mm. talk about cousins who are in the other movies, but not in this one. That's cool. Do you want to describe the plot in 45 seconds? In 45 seconds? Oh. Uh, a very entitled family. Oh, uh, hold on, I'm timing you. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. go for it. Go. Very entitled family puts all their life into whether or not they can afford a pool and they spend money they don't have and kidnap their boss because he didn't give them a bonus check that's it i did agree with the kidnapping i agreed with it i agreed with it um i think they should have uh pried out his teeth so that nobody could identify the body and send threatening letters to his family it did long after he's dead I think the last Christmas movie we covered was Krampus, I believe. Yes. I wrote in my notes, this is very Krampus. I got shades of Krampus uh, in this. In the sense that that you have the, like, uh, like, I don't know how to phrase this, but, like, respectable sort of upper middle class portions of the family versus, like, the poor sections of the family. Uh, You have have Chevy Chase telling his poor four-year-old niece that she doesn't get any Christmas presents because she's been bad. Isn't Chevy Chase an asshole? Yes, but apparently he was very nice to the kids on the set of this movie. That makes it okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that this was also, in a sense, like, almost at the height of Chevy Chase's ego, but also at the height of, like, what he could get away with. Right, because he was on SNL before this. Yeah, and these movies are the ones that, like, made him a star. Yeah. I think. SNL made him a star because he was in the very first season, and then he left. Yeah, and then the vacation... Because he was the most popular one. On and it. then the National Lampoon movie is, like, in in his opinion, or according to, like, the SNL oral history that uh, I bought for, That's like, $37 what I was dollars reading. at That's Barnes & Noble. That's what I read Noble. about it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he became a movie star, and he was like, oh, I'm a movie star now. Yeah, right. Fuck um, Gilda Radner. One of, my, one of my favorite pieces of trivia about this is that it was originally supposed to be directed by Chris Columbus, but then he left <gasps> because Chevy Chase was so mean to him. Yeah, it <laughs> Chris Columbus was directing all the way back then? Yeah. And then, he dra- and then, you know, to, like, make it up to him, John Hughes sent him the script for Home Alone and right. said, why don't you direct this? And then he did Harry Potter, and then he did Rent. Yes. And now he's retired. Genuinely? Presumably. <laughs> nothing but hits for Mr. Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus, <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, the movie started off well. Um, My goal for this season of the podcast is to not, um, not segue it so awkwardly anymore. But I've already failed at that because that was really awkward. But whatever. I'm trying to think <laughs> of other things to talk about in oh, okay. to this movie. So at the beginning, let's just go through it. Yeah. Why not? Okay. So the beginning of the movie, they're driving down the road. 
to pick up a Christmas tree. Oh, and then they get into and they're singing. Road they're singing though, which I'm a I'm a fan because I love Christmas carols. I'm a huge Christmas person in general. I love caroling. Yeah. I mean, I don't love caroling necessarily, but I love like singing, love the songs. listening to Christmas songs. What's your favorite Christmas carol, Joey? Oh, as a music teacher, I hate all Christmas music. Nice. <laughs> but there's got to be one that you don't teach though that you like like oh that it's like hallowed ground for me i don't know because i'm just such a pushover if my kids are just like hey mr d can we do this i'm like yeah sure we'll do it every <laughs> but I hate. is there a christmas song that your kids have been recommending over the past few years always all i want for christmas is you and i have a rule Weird. once every four years <laughs> <laughs> okay why is that the number one christmas song of all time i think because of mariah carey's shining personality i mean she's really skinny she's so skinny but, um, I'm worried about Mariah Carey. Skinny legend. But I think... So here are the worst Christmas songs. Okay. Ready? Christmas Ooh. Shoes. Oh, of course. I don't know yeah. that one. It's the one where the girl, <laughs> the, the little boy asks for uh, asks somebody at the store to buy his mom a pair of shoes because she's dying. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, Patton Oswald has a whole special about that song. I don't even know that song, but I'm listening after. They made it into a movie with Rob Lowe. Jesus Christ. Okay, okay. The worst one ever though is the Little Drummer Boy. Okay. Yeah, solid, terrible pick. Frosty the Snowman. It's just boring and annoying. <laughs> Rudolph doesn't quite get to that though because I feel like the melody's better. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah. My personal taste. Oh, and my parents hate. My parents hate those. So I guess what growing up every year those came on the radio, my parents would say, "I hate this." So that's why I think that. <laughs> Yeah. But at the same time, they are terrible. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is so good in this what movie. What the fuck? When she showed up, I was like, first of all, she wasn't in the credits. I gasped. She's, at the, she's in the end credits. She wasn't in the opening credits because she wasn't even famous yet. Yeah, yeah. This came out the same year that Seinfeld came out. Yeah. Was she on SNL the same time as uh, Chevy was Chase? She on I SNL? think so. Yeah. She was on SNL for like a year and she flopped on SNL and then got Seinfeld right after. Larry David was also, I think, oh, a I don't writer think, for no, SNL. No, Chevy Chase was on SNL like literally like 15 years before this. Okay. But I did not even know she was on it. Yeah. Wow. You know, I uh... read the oral history more closely. I stopped. She was interviewed for it. They were talking about Jim Belushi so much, I just had to stop. <laughs> I've got uh, a friend who works at NBC and he gave me a tour of 30 Rock and he said that Chevy Chase wasn't like officially a cast member in um, the first season, but just kept showing up in all the pictures when they took the cast pictures. So it looks like he's oh, in season one. so funny. Something like that. He yeah. was like a writer and then performed. Yeah, nice. Definitely. He Bowen Yang did it. Bowen Yang. Oh, did he do that? I think Bowen Yang was a writer for, the, mm. for his first season and then uh, was upgraded to performer the next year. We can go on and all my hot takes, hot takes on all the current cast, but yeah. we don't have time. I mean, everybody knows that Chloe Fineman is like the best rising star, you know, the best one that hasn't been on there for ten years. Sure. I thought it was you. I'm not on SNL, Jake. I thought you were. I'm not. Oh. Better get going. <laughs> uh, I should really think. Another goal I have for this season of the pod is to uh, think of punchlines before I begin to start joking about mm-hmm. something yeah yeah that's big for me too is like generally putting more effort into the podcast <laughs> I'm sure um so anyway the road rage i really wanted uh them to get run off the road I which wanted, they kind yeah, of did they all die in the first five minutes of the movie that would have been dope and then it's krampus and then, <laughs> and then they haunt the rest of their ex- mm-hmm. extended family i didn't even know juliet was going to be that young when we started yeah but she looks good i mean she i mean she looked like herself like a yeah but she had crimped 80s hair and mm-hmm. it's this movie like okay wait joey i have a question do yeah. you like laugh when you watch this movie this movie in particular no but i okay. do genuinely laugh at funny movies okay yeah, yeah generally you do right yeah one would Yes, this movie made me think of what my middle school English teacher described Mark Twain as, where he was like, "People say that Mark Twain is funny, but you're not gonna like actually laugh when or like, you're reading his." Like books. the Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, they say that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I did chuckle a couple of times. I chuckled a couple times. Like when he, when he, like what I liked a lot was when he was, um, he got sap on his hands and he was trying to open the magazine. And they just kept coming apart in his hands. And then then he stuck his hand to her hair and she didn't even notice. And then, like, the lamp and... Yeah. Oh! That was funny, physical comedy. Yeah. 
I um I laughed at when he puts the Christmas lights on the tree and the dad freaks out and he goes, Dad, Dad, you taught me everything I know about exterior illumination. Oh, okay. How about um, the bit where Juliet's just randomly like getting frostbite at the beginning? Oh, yeah, the very <laughs> beginning. And they're like, like face oh, totally she's like, Mom, yeah. I can't feel my hips. This kind of felt like as a movie had the structure of like a series of uh, cartoon strips. Mm-hmm. It, oh, yeah. it felt like the Calvin and Hobbes like collected books. I felt like this had multiple writers. Like the beginning had mm-hmm. its own sense of humor. Yeah, the middle's yeah, yeah. very different. The third act's very yeah, different too. Yeah. That's true. I really, which is how like TV movies are kind of written too. Because especially if they're syndicated and they have to run in half hour like segments. Oh sure, good call. That's what they do. Um, I, they did have some good one liners. I thought the first half hour was much better than. So basically, the both sets of parents come. It's very meet the Fockers. Yes. Meet the parents, and then um, they're fun. Doris Roberts is there. Everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. Mom, she's great. She says, "I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe it?" <laughs> That's a good line. Um, then as soon as the like cousins show up, they lost me. I I knew that they were going to lose you, but that's kind of where they got me. Cause with cause with the extended family, that's also like kind of you know high class. How did you know that they were gonna lose me? Cause of the poop poop. Cause you don't like humor? poop jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is unnecessary. He was just like <laughs> shitting in the street, smoking a cigar, burping, mm-hmm. and no pants on. Yeah, I that's not for me. That's when I tuned out. I yeah I, I just didn't think that uh, the family stuff from before was funny because they were all kind of the same type I like, of person. I feel like the physical comedy that he was doing was enough though. I didn't. Yeah, need, like, I, a, I, I. For me, it was very like low. It was very like not as good. Shit's Creek characters just walked in. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm not super into physical comedy, so well, that part wasn't for me. Joy. What's yeah. your favorite act? Um, well, <laughs> One, there's two, that, or three. that scene where they're like kind of paying homage to uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont, like the swimming pool scene. Oh, and then yeah. Ruby mm-hmm. Sue comes in. So it's verbal humor uh, and very Chevy Chase. Oh, I uh, thought he was going to be like jerking off at the window. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> if it was made today, he would have been. He, he would have been. But his hands are very clearly like. They showed some side boob. On either boob, side of they the did. wall. They did show some side boob. Yeah, it was on HBO, and I was like, oh, how much? Yeah, but uh, when and they uh, said fucking shit sometimes. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. Well, actually, even in this uh, this scene with Ruby uh, Sue, she's like, "Oh, he's nervous. Shit and bricks. Oh, you oh, shouldn't he... say that. Sorry, shit and rocks." That was funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like this movie is is like. I think that because those types of jokes were were kind of done to death after this movie came out. Mm. It's weird, like, seeing a bunch of stuff that referenced an original work and then seeing the True. original work and being like, well, I've seen it's this kinda before. Like watching, it's like a reverse um, thing, which is why I think that I would have appreciated it more if I'd seen it as a kid. No, that's so right. true. Because I watched um, Waiting for Guffman last year. Oh. Like, Christopher Guest, yeah. like, Catherine O'Hara, and, like, everybody is really good in it. But I was like... I feel like it's like an early mockumentary kind mm-hmm. of thing and like that's been done to death now so I feel like it's evolved so much that I can't even really appreciate the original as much as I yeah. probably should I mean they're all it was a good movie I'd enjoyed it but I was like yeah it's interesting how that happens I feel like with rom-coms too that's probably yeah yeah it's like yeah it's hard to do well I guess that's why, why is it's interesting that horror is having such a a good resurgence because it's like even it's easier it's it's easier to make it look better now yeah which is probably why it's better and i think that like and the boundaries can be pushed in different ways and i think that like the currency of a comedy is its jokes so you measure like the shitting bricks versus shitting rocks up against uh like tony collette cutting her own head off no like versus <laughs> I, I i'm thinking of in like I'm thinking of that joke in Parks and Rec where he, where Chris Pratt's character has the sex hair song and Amy Poehler says, change it so that it's child appropriate. And so he says, oh, sex noodle instead mm. of sex hair. 
Right. Um, it's um, like that meme of person setting the dominoes up. Yeah, yeah. And I think that whichever the first one is you watch in your life is going to be, like, the best version of that. But with horror, I feel like the currency of horror is it's scares. And all of those things are going to be kind of dependent on the specific monster in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the cultural relevance Yeah, yeah. So I think that it's harder to uh, be... You know, I, I think that jokes are kind of more formulaic, which is used as an insult, but it's just like a fact of what jokes are. So is that kind of like to use the horror movie analog, like jump scares is like a cheap way to scare your audience versus like cinematography and the fear of the unknown, like stuff that's really scary happens off camera. Yeah, and I and I think that really good scares are like in context of the movie itself and mm. are connected to the mm. movie's content, um, or like the story or whatever. And I and you know do you know what now like yeah like jump scares did become cliche at a certain point mm. when the first jump scare was at the end of Carrie, right? And you know it freaked people the fuck out when it happened. And now you know people look back on Carrie and say like how genius that last sequence was. Right. When anybody who's watched any horror movie in the past twenty years probably wouldn't consider it genius if they saw it without knowing that historical context. It's still pretty genius though, because it's the only one in the movie. Yeah, that's true. But um, I don't know. That's a good point. I feel like um, jump scares still really get me every time. So they get me too. <laughs> I watched last night in Soho over the weekend. Is it good? No, it's bad. Oh, I want to see it though. It's like it's stylish. It's worth a watch. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's... Is it worth a watch? Yeah, I mean, well, Queen Gambo. I would say, I like don't don't pay too much money <laughs> to watch it. You know, I would right. say you could say rent it online. You could safely wait till it comes out streaming. Okay. But it was, like, stylistically interesting. But And they did have some kind, like, kind of weak-ish jump scares okay. that got me because I was um, high. Titan, though. Did you see Titan? I don't think I... No, I don't even think I've heard of it's it. It's a French... Like, body horror film. Okay. Body horror slash found family film. Mm-hmm. There's a woman about who gets pregnant. A uh, woman it... who fucks a car and gets pregnant with a car baby. Oh, as you do. Yeah, and yeah. she's also a serial killer and has to go into hiding, um, and she becomes uh, and she like becomes friends with the person who's like helping her. Yeah. Uh, but he it's thinks it's an Oedipal syndrome, but it's also because he Stockholm. thinks that she is her long lost son. His long lost. His okay. long lost son. So there's like a little delusion in there too. Oh my god! There's yeah. everything. It's, it's the most like, insane thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's also, like, so slow-moving mm-hmm. and so just, like, casual in the way that it's told. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a lot of, like, long shots. Um, Definitely National Lampoon Christmas Vacation is the bottom domino, and then the top one is Titan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are cars in both. No. Um, <laughs> there you go. Chevy Trace stepping on the wooden panel that reaches up and hits him in the face really set the wheels in motion for that woman to break her own nose. In true, Titan. true. You know, every attic scene that will always remind me of her to Terry now. Ooh. And then there was, you know, he decided to get in drag and watch old Christmas videotapes. I liked that. That was cute. I'm going to say that was my favorite scene, I think. Yeah. And in the... In the trivia or something, there was some, I don't know, some cast member or some, like, producer said that that was the one where, like, he knew that they had made a classic or something. Really? That scene? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? This movie does predate literally, like, every family Christmas movie, like, comedy, Mm -hmm. like, not every. Actually, I don't know when Christmas Story came out, but I feel like... I'm Similar vibes, but I mean, I feel like um, I never watched a Christmas story as a child because the poster freaked me out. Okay, I've never seen it to be fair, but I do know it's a Christmas family comedy, and also, oh, it was 1983. Joey's about to kick me out of his house. No, 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 <laughs> I was gonna say it, it's on TV every single Christmas, and I still haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it either? Yeah. I know, like, you know, you'll shoot your eye out. I know the, yeah. the tongue on the pole, right? The, the leg, leg lamp. lamp, the tongue on the pole always freaked me out. 
Yeah, I saw that was on like a uh, coming soon to VHS uh, like trailer commercial before yeah. a tape that I had. Mm-mm. My Christmas movies were odd though. Oh yeah, let's talk about our Christmas movies, right? I'm trying to think of what I watch for Christmas. Every year for me, it's a Wonderful Life. My family watches. I watch the Jim Carrey Grinch. That's like my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because of Christine Bransky. I'm really obsessed with us coming on the podcast to talk about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and being like, this movie sucks. You know what slaps? Jim Carrey Grinch. Okay, well, <laughs> it actually does slap. Doesn't it? Like, every... It, there's not there's not a single Gen Xer who will still be subscribed to the podcast after this. My mom, my mom likes the Grinch. That's because she's your mom and she loves you. I saw that movie three times in theaters. In theaters? When I was five. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I don't even remember (laughs) what movies I watched in theaters when I was like a small child. My earliest memories are all going to the movies. Wow. I think I saw Spy Kids in theaters. I definitely did. Oh, man. I remember vividly. Uh, my next door neighbor uh, growing up and by default best friend mm-hmm. uh, was like okay well I want to see Spy Kids like 3D or one of those movies just because he had a crush on Alexa Vega <gasps> and I remember her name because it was important to him <laughs> and I was like okay well because I'm going to go do that for you the ring freaked me out so you see <gasps> no. the ring too with me so we saw a double feature <gasps> Spy Kids 3D and the ring too oh, the ring that's fucking so awesome yeah. wait is the ring too the one with the possessed deer Yes. I think so. It, I just know that's the one where they figure out, like, you have to show the video to someone else to break the cycle. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wait. Um, you know... The Ring 2 was truly laughable. I want to... Well, I, I remember the first watching one traumatized me. My, my brain just went on a roller coaster because in Spy Kids, the boy... What's his name? Junie. Daryl Sabara. Yes. Is married to Megan Trainer. Yeah, and they right. famously... Poop together. Poop together. Famously, how does that just come out? Poor phrasing. They're both irrelevant now, and the the way that they're seeking relevance is talking to magazines about how they poop in the same like in space together. I just any. I'm extremely against. By the way, I just think that anybody who's named Megan with a GH is a stupid bitch. <laughs> There's not a single good one. I have You're 10 right, years though. being a teacher of anecdotal information where, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Megan McCain. <laughs> Megan McCain. Megan McCain. Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. I don't know any Has anyone others. ever seen them in the same room, though? Let's be honest. Oh, never. They're the same person. Yeah. Although Megan turned quite the look at some Christmas special last year. Trainer? Trainer. Okay. It was like a giant bow. It was it was interesting. And then right after the concert, she went and shat in the same room as her husband. God as damn you do. It. And she's like, I, I, I don't know why, like, the... That means I have two two Spy Kids things related to poop in my mind. The desire to do, like, an interview with, like, a journalist where you're like, my husband is so sexy and I stick his dick in me every night. Ugh. Like, why? <laughs> you know what? She probably regretted saying the poop thing. Yeah. And that's she, just damage control? She wanted the headline to be... I have sex with my husband, Daryl Sabar, every every night, twice. But instead, the headline was, we poop together. God. I so watched... It's that whole thing of, like, you know, bad attention is better than no attention. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No news is good news, though. Yep. That's what they told me since I'm unvaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> I... Did you ever see that movie, World's Greatest Dad? No, with I don't Robin think so. Williams? Oh. Sounds like it's good. I do like Robin Williams it's... a lot. It's this movie that Robin Williams did, and Daryl Sabera plays his, like, 15-year-old son, who's, like, a piece of garbage, and he accidentally dies during... The son? Like, the son dies in, like, an autoerotic asphyxiation moment. Good Lord. And the dad, to protect his reputation, writes, like, a fake suicide note from this... It's very Dear Evan Hansen. And pretends that he killed himself. And everybody, for some reason, is like, wow, this suicide note is so well written. And Robin Williams is like, yeah, my, my son also wrote a book. And then he <laughs> like, writes a book and it gets published and becomes like very, very popular. Is it a comedy? Popular. It's like a dark comedy, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing Mrs. Doubtfire on Broadway next month. Ooh. Ooh. 
Did you hear there are like several different cuts of Mrs. Doubtfire, like with increasing oh, ratings I'm that not, haven't yes, been released? I, haven't I heard feel about like that. I've heard that. I've got to see an R-rated Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, it was like with uh, when he did Genie, they just literally had like hours and hours and hours of him improvising. Right. Yeah. Which is just. I That's mean, like um, John Mulaney kept saying "fuck" when he was recording his dialogue for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Really? Yeah. He might have been on drugs at the time. Well, I've only ever said fuck when I'm on drugs. Me too. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was surprised when Chevy Chase drove into a Walmart parking lot. Because I feel like nowadays, it was so interesting to watch this like portrait of American life in the 1980s when an upper middle class guy would still be like applying his own intricate mm. Christmas decorations instead of just employing an undocumented person to do it and mm-hmm. paying him like $18. Yeah, like It's like even though they're doing well for themselves, era. they're still normal and Because he's he has like an actual like rich person job, like a succession job. Yeah, yeah. He um he's like inventing food technology or something. Oh my god, I wanted to talk about sledding. The sledding scene that was fun. Did that was when he, that was when he crashed into the Walmart, right? Or no, that was in the car. No, he, no, it was on the sled. I thought that there was like, I just imagined a scene where he like drives into the Walmart. Oh, it was a sl- he was on the sled. It was going at like turbo speed. Oh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I looked it up, and this movie came out before Walmart's were open twenty four hours, so it was really just more of like a normal store back then instead of. So he uh, couldn't crash into the store like. Instead of the like human rights violation have you of a building sledding? that they currently are. I have. Have you gone oh, yeah, sledding? Definitely. I mean I grew up in the suburbs, so that's like what we did. Wait, where did you grow up again? Small little town short hills in Jersey. Okay. I was thinking Connecticut. But... Yeah. I went to college in Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I went sledding once and I and ran into a car. Wow. Have I not told this on the pod? No, wait, like a moving car? No, it was parked. Okay. <laughs> but I could have gotten a concussion though. Okay. <laughs> I was sledding down a hill and a very steep hill, and my friends kept yelling because I was going so fast. They were like, "Bail, bail!" And I didn't know what that <laughs> meant. I didn't know what it meant, so I just like was stayed on, hurtling straight towards this parked van. So I turned around on the sled, and I hit my tailbone really hard on the car, and I flipped back. And then everyone thought it looked like I hit my head because I went like flopped. Yeah. And then this randomly, someone was like, "I'm a doctor!" And, like he came up and he like asked me my address and like. All my friends were like, oh my god, and they asked me the chapter title of a Harry Potter book, and I knew it, so they were like, okay, you can go home. Yeah, That's that is so still funny. so scary that you can do that. Well, like, book three, maybe... book three, chapter eight. Flight of the Fat Lady. Oh, maybe that an accident is what lodged them permanently in my brain. That's probably maybe. it. You know when you do that, your body takes a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> when you hit your tailbone really hard in a parked car. Mm-hmm. Thank God I didn't get hit by a car, though, right? I've been doing that to take screenshots since I was a little kid. <laughs> I'm just constantly walking around, slamming my ass into parked cars. <laughs> I know. Somebody would say something funny to me during a conversation, and I would laugh and <laughs> bring myself into a car and go, Tailbone did that. first. I did that so that I could remember this. Coxics first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did you ever have a... Have anything dangerous happened to you while sledding, Joey? Um, not crazy dangerous, just like sledding where I used to play baseball growing up. I went down the hill right into the backstop, but it wasn't anything crazy. It was just like I couldn't stop. I had no brakes. It's, it's, it's actually a very dangerous activity. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to let my so children fun. sled. It's famously. In... Are you going to raise <clears throat> your children in New York? Yeah. I guess. That's cool. They'll be city kids. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know how to raise a city kid. I'm, I'm like nervous about it. Yeah. I'm like, is that scary? What if they get hit by a car? Um. Just have another one. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So easy for fair. me. So easy for me to just have another kid. Mm-hmm. To pay thousands of dollars for them. If um, I if I thought that my body could handle it, I would carry your child. I think you could do it. Free of charge. Free. Well, it would depend on what kind of health insurance I had at the time. Well, I think it it would be great. You know, um, Kim K had all surrogates, right? 
for sure. Yeah. Emily Ratajkowski probably did as well. Do you think Kim K is going to have a surrogate baby with Pete Davidson? Oh, God, I hope not. I really hope not. I, I think, I, I don't I even think. I know that child. I don't even think that Pete Davidson is crazy enough to think that that's a good idea. Because mm. Pete Davidson is like a self-aware crazy person. Having a he's child the best. with one of the wealthiest women in the world. He's the best BPD. The world's about to end. They're going to live on a planet together. Oh, yeah, that's true. But, <laughs> you know, I'm going to sound like such an asshole. My first thought was Pete Davidson probably knows that he wouldn't be a good father. But maybe he will be a good father. Who's to say? I, I, probably a better father than Kim is a mother. Is that misogynist, though? Um, it's, it, it's, <clears throat> it's racist against Armenians, for sure. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, first she's... of all, the Armenian genocide did not happen, you guys. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. The Armenian genocide. There's never alive. been a Holocaust in the world. There has never been a moon landing, and I'm the never gonna. Turkish get a people just See, wanted. I stop this punchline. I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm building a joke up that's horrible. Just start a joke. See where it just goes. Just say offensive. Catch things. up with it later. Uh, Turkish people just wanted to convince the world that they were strong. I'm trying to be Chevy Chase, actually. Yeah. Current day Chevy Chase. Um, so speaking of... Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase. To I me, did... Chevy Chase kind of looks like an evil mannequin came to life in this movie. He looks like Will Ferrell and also Jeff Daniels. I mm. never would have picked that up myself, but I so agree with you. But I feel like they look like him. Well, I mean, he's older, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, how about the, speaking of Titan, how about the plate in the head of the cousin guy? He's like, I had a plate in my head, a metal oh, yeah. plate in my head. Oh, and then he said, but every time Catherine turned on the microwave, I pissed my pants and forgot who I was. So now I have a plastic plate in my head. I'm that's, like. That's funny. All right. I just love how sophomoric this movie is and really all National Lampoon movies. And it started as the Harvard Lampoon. Yeah, really? that's yeah. that's why I was thinking during this movie. I was like, so many of these jokes are like, joke like things that don't sound like they would be said out loud. Right. Like things that sound like they were written down. Is it which, like the? Um, it's an adaptation of like a short story. Is so it like it the makes American sense. version of Monty Python. Kinda. Well, I think the Monty Python was just like some guys. But and I mean, John Cleese is problematic too. Yeah, in recent years, he, yeah. He, he, like, called Nicole Byer, like, fat or something. He called her Jolly. Jolly, right. He was like, he, he was like, I saw Their this, beef is my favorite. He was like, I saw this Jolly black lady on Netflix, and Brian I didn't Murphy, think she was very good. Ryan Murphy presents Feud, colon, John Cleese and <laughs> Nicole Byer. I want to see that so bad. John Cleese was in Harry Potter, Nearly yeah. Headless Nick. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was. Nearly Headless. How can you mean nearly headless? Well, I guess somebody asked John Cleese what he thinks about trans people. I'm sure the trans oh, people sure of the world would love to answer. know. I'm just, oh. I want to know so badly. I remember being a kid and whenever I became invested in like an author or a, any kind of like celebrity, I would Google their name plus homophobic <laughs> to see if they were homophobic. Just to make sure. Yeah. I was just looking idea. up like Stephen King homophobia, Stephen King gay, and uh, Stephen King gay, Stephen King gay, and <laughs> I remember reading something that was like, Stephen King has a lesbian daughter who's also a rabbi, and I was like, Stephen King's okay with me, man. How come on Wikipedia, like, so every gay person knows that if you go on Wikipedia and you scroll to the personal life section, it just tells you that's where or not you find gay. out. Yeah. But then if you go to the personal life section, it says nothing, they're straight. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked up if you think about it. Yeah. Like, why can't it say Penelope Cruz is straight? I don't know why I thought of her mm-hmm. first, but like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. she's not. I don't know. Well, I, I also <clears throat> think it's like, if somebody hasn't commented on their sexuality, then... We don't know. Yeah. I honestly think it's rude if we don't know. If you're famous at all, you have to. You if have you've to tell ever, somebody. if you've ever been in a movie, you've given up your right to privacy. You've given up your right to not have a personal life section that says your sexuality. That's true. On Wikipedia, I need to know who I have a chance with. Yeah, when you're 14, googling people, you need to know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's that's why it should also say if they're 
a pedophile. <laughs> if I was 14 looking at Mark Salling's Wikipedia and it said pedophile, <gasps> I'd have been like sick and I would have DM'd him. I would have gotten in on that shit oh, no. immediately. Sam, no. I would have saved him. Yeah, the uh, National Sex Offender Registry is just a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what else? What else? What else? Okay, there is one fun scene that I liked. What was the scene that you liked? Um, when the really old woman, really old grandma, aunt lady, they asked her to oh. say grace and she did the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. And Cousin Eddie stands up. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, I I did feel like the the trailer cousins had the best jokes i think what not in terms of the poop jokes but the the things that they like the plate thing was yeah that was a good joke was way funnier than anything that happened in the first act no yes and the line (laughs) when they when they take out ruby sue he goes she falls in a well her eyes go cross she gets kicked by a mule they go back to normal then he just kind of shrugs and goes i don't know I laughed so hard at the I don't know. And I was like, this is like, this movie's really kicking into gear. I don't understand that. You didn't like Jennifer Love. I mean, <laughs> Jennifer Love Dreyfus. <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus and her husband getting constantly mauled by trees and things. I don't, I, I, I don't like it when people get hurt. Oh, come on. Well, That's I totally like one of my do. Favorite but the- those two just seem like such auxiliary characters. I know. You're like right. the they, thing is, are oh. they in the other ones? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, but God. at least in this movie, it seemed Mistake. like they were just there to be the butt of a joke. Like, they were. They're <clears throat> only made fun of by Clark or condescended to by Clark because they have more money than he does. I but... thought that they were like an audience proxy in a mm. way. Oh, interesting. Because he's always doing like stupid shit, and they're like, "Oh my God, how stupid!" But his <laughs> yeah. family is kind of. A... But I think that that's also because I hated the movie as I was watching mm. it so whenever Julia Louis-Dreyfus would be like this guy sucks I'd be like yeah he does suck but this was also you know in an era where um, I did like that Chevy Chase doesn't seem like a totally horrible person yeah um, like when, when he sexually harasses the department store girl it has no bearing on his character for and the it rest was an of accident because he was so entranced by her Cleavage, yeah. Right? I also did make the mistake of smoking weed before this movie, which I think turned me into an empath. So whenever somebody <laughs> got hurt, I would, I would, you know, I would go out, and I would a little bruise would manifest on my arm at the exact spot that that person got hurt. All right. You know that scene in the department store when the kid uh, Russ comes over, he just like rolls his eyes like here he goes again. Like this is something he just does. I love it. Yeah. I love it. The kid was also the he was on Roseanne, right? Yeah. And That's Johnny Galecki. Johnny Galecki, yeah, Big Bang Theory. Oh, um, he's on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanna... He and Juliet <clears throat> Lewis, their sisters in or a uh, brother they're and sister. Sisters? Siblings. <laughs> Freudian slip, if Sorry. only. But uh they're siblings in this and then in the Connors they play love interests. Oh. Wait, Julia Lewis is on the Connors? Uh, for like just a couple episodes, I think. I think that we might have to cover Julia Lewis's episodes of the Connors. I agree. I also love I, Roseanne now. I love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, I never love... saw it growing up, and Brandon showed it to me, and like I know she's problematic. I know she's racist. No, I'm obsessed with Whitney Cummings randomly being the showrunner for the Connors and getting like asked about Roseanne in an interview and being like, look, as comedians, not all of us have the same political views as each other. And then Roseanne would immediately like go batshit on Twitter calling like, she called some black woman a monkey and then thought know, that the bitch was white. As she famously said, <laughs> I thought the bitch was white. And then Whitney Cummings in every interview from there on out was just kind of like, well, uh, listen, I'm not defending Roseanne here. I am. But what if she did think the bitch was white? She might have thought that the bitch was I white. I mean, I don't agree with her being a Trump supporter, but like... Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, no I, I, I agree with you. Um, Roseanne is such a funny And show. I also think that sometimes, like, it just... Sometimes it's very obvious that... I think that Roseanne the sitcom was very obviously made under a different frame of mind than Roseanne oh, had yeah. I mean, I in think like she 2016. Evolved. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. she changed. I mean, she ran for president. She did. Oh my she god, did. I totally yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. I completely, I don't think I ever knew. She was president when we were born, right? Oh, that's Roseanne right. Barr was president for eight years in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one here who remembers the 90s? She just went, yes, actually. Yeah. I don't remember I have, the 90s. Wow. wow. I have very limited memories of like 1999. Yeah. The, maybe. I remember seeing The Little Mermaid in theaters on the 10th 10, 10, 10th anniversary re-release. And seeing my The mom Wizard t- of Oz in theaters at the 60th anniversary. Re-release. My mom took me to The Little Mermaid re-release, and then uh, we had to leave after like 20 minutes because I was being a bad you, child. you peed on the floor. I think that I was just like crawling around and stuff, like at the age of four. <laughs> I did that. Like They tried taking me to Hunchback in the Notre Dame when I was one. Oh my and God. And I was too young, so apparently they set me down in the theater and I immediately just ran off under all the seats and just like (laughs) swirled around that's the right reaction i think one of my first movies was like baby's day out or something oh my god that's cute that's a cute first movie oh yeah definitely and that was like what 92 what's baby's day out it's this movie that used to play on abc family a lot (laughs) is it about the boss baby <laughs> no, it's a precursor. It's to a the live baby. action, like literal. They got like an infant, yeah, and just filmed him like crawling down the streets of New York and had like, yeah, and, and then like insane. adults are <laughs> looking for him. But about the time I was in kindergarten, the first movie that I was like obsessed with, had to watch all the time, was Dunstan Checks In. I've never seen that. What it that? holds up. It's just this kid who lives in a hotel because of his parents. And be friends in orangutan, as you do. Nice. So, is there an underrated actress in that movie? Oh, I wonder. We scrapped Juliet. That that feels like a movie that, like, Judy Gold would have randomly been in. Who's that? She's, like, an old comedian. Judy Greer. Yeah. There Uh, was somebody in this movie who kind of looked like Judy Greer, I thought. Or, no, that was somebody on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. (laughs) I was watching it before I came here. Um, right. I read this like oral history of this movie on Rollingstone.com that had numerous typos, and I was like, "That's very interesting." <laughs> uh, Were they lampooning the movie? But no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, there's your punchline. Well, there we go. Chevy Chase is quoted <laughs> as saying. I thought Juliet's performance was brilliant, frankly. Chevy Chase also came across as very nice in this article, and I was like, hmm, people maybe contain multitudes. But during filming, uh, Juliet, she was like 15, 16, brought her boyfriend with her to Colorado where they were filming, and then caught him talking to other bitches and sent him on a flight home, and then went off to go film a scene. And went on to become the icon she is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, Chevy Chase really took Johnny Galecki under his wing and would, like, teach him comedic timing by, like, when the camera was on Johnny. Um, he, Chevy, would give him, like, a signal for when to come in with his line and oh. teach him, like, timing in that way. Okay, and he, he would, was really good in the movie. Yeah, and he would bring him, like, across the lot to hang out with. Like, something else was filming at that time, and he took him to hang out with, like, Eddie Murphy and a bunch of other people. Um, Well, that's really interesting, because one of the things that uh, Russ does, Jenny Galecki's character, um, when he's asked, like, oh, let's go check out every single bulb, he does the old Chevy Chase thing of look at the watch, or look at the wrist without the watch. (laughs) He's like, oh, look at the time. Uh, And I was like, oh, he pulled a Chevy Chase. I wonder if he gave him that. There was this story that I, honest to God, thought was... Funnier than anything that happens in the movie, uh, where Chevy Chase was talking to either John Hughes or the director and said, you know, in all of these movies, there's a scene where the father and son have like a man to man talk and it's not in this script. And the guy said, oh, well, there was in, in one of the drafts, but it got cut. And Chevy was like, oh, well, we should we should reinsert it. We should film it. And then they asked Johnny Galecki what he thought. And he's like 13. And he said, well, I feel like that scene was cut out of the original script for a reason, so maybe we just shouldn't film it because it'll probably just get cut out of the final cut. Wow. Smart. <laughs> and then they didn't film it. That stinks. So just Who needs that? Such a funny and like mature, like objective way for him. They had to plenty of scenes about. alone. I don't think. Oh when they yeah. Were decorating. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Um, there was a trained squirrel that they spent weeks training to do was the stunts. And then on the day that they were going to film it, the squirrel died. Oh, man. So they just did it with an untrained squirrel and, like, made it work. Well, I mean, in fairness, the squirrel's in the movie for, what, 15 seconds? They were so yeah. afraid of that squirrel. All of them. I would have been afraid of that squirrel. Oh, and one more thing I have to say. I really don't like any movie that kills a cat for no reason. I thought oh, that the yeah, cat yeah. death was well executed. But, like, come on. I thought it was great because you think I thought that the tree was going to fall on I mean, the cat for like the, the whole cat. thing. We never actually saw the cat. And then it gets incinerated right. into the carpet. by like a random fire that Lord knows how it starts. I thought that that was so. They got me. They got me there. As a cat, as a fellow cat owner, I'm disappointed in you. But well, I do plan on murdering my cat if she doesn't die within the next five years. So, huh? <laughs> um, I like it when Chevy Chase has his Joker moment when he realizes he's not getting a Christmas bonus and he puts mm. on a Santa hat and like a vaguely red outfit. Oh, funny. That could be a Santa moment, though. Yeah. Yeah, but he it's oh, it, it's the moment that he mad. like he's mad he's he's lost faith in the would, world. It's a Max, Gret his Max boss, Gregson moment. It is a Max Gregson moment. <laughs> I hate that his wife calls him Sparky. Oh, you hate it? Oh, Sparky Clarky. She's cute, cute though. Wait, she's wait, wait, so wait. she's great, and I was upset that he wasn't horny for her because she was so hot, and then he's she like was. thirsting after the department store girl, which I guess is just how marriage works. But um, wait, so apparently Chevy Chase and the woman who played uh, his wife, Beverly D'Angelo, had like such great chemistry on on and offset. And they were talking about it so much in the Rolling Stone interview that I was low key like, did they swing together? Um, hmm. I think that Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo might have fucked. Juliette Lewis said their chemistry, it was so intense. You could really feel it. Well, there's a section that has to be on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. So you know that the woman who played his mom is Laura Dern's mom in real life? Wow. Diane Ladd. Did not know that. There was a moment in the interview where somebody said, you know, families went to see this movie, and instead of laughing at the family, they laughed with them because they saw themselves represented. And I was like, I... <laughs> Nobody was representing white families before National Lampoon's Christmas no, Vacation. famously underrepresented population. Yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about with regard to the movie? Um, I don't. <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, I did have a favorite prop, though, if you want to. Oh, we will do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but first, do you more. Do you think that this would qualify as your favorite Juliet Lewis movie? Right now? Yes. Right now, it would be August Osage. Right now, yeah, right now. But a default, it does have to be, though. <laughs> I guess, right? That's but do true. I think it's better than Uncut Gems? Well, we're starting over because it's a new. <laughs> okay, fine. Because I don't. Okay. I mean, actually, I do. So next week, we're going to ask you if Cape Fear is as good as National Anthem. I mean, Juliet was nominated for an Oscar for that, apparently. She so. was. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so, awards. okay. Little, uh, here on the Tony Awards, we give three awards to everything we watch. First of which is best prop. I love you were like, I have a best prop. And we were like, well, we have to do something before we get to that. And right. then and we're like, nope. And then just did nothing. <laughs> okay. What's your best prop? Uh, it's got to be the Tasmanian Devil mug. Mm. And then I looked at the trivia. I mean, I liked it to begin with. And then I looked at the IMDb trivia. And there are characters or actors in the movie who voiced the Tasmanian Devil's parents in a Looney Tune oh. movie. So it was like a little homage to them. Wow. That's cute. Uh, my best prop was the $7,500 pool deposit. When he announced it within the first 15 minutes, I was like, that's not going to work out for him. Chekhov's deposit. <laughs> mine was um, mine was the um, car that they all took to go shopping that ran somehow, a small vehicle that somehow fit seven people. <laughs> it was a clown car. <laughs> 
the next award is best Juliet moment. So what was yours? I mean, there's so many to pick from. I feel like she was barely in this movie. She yeah. was in the first act the most. That's just why I liked it the most. That's mm. true. And in the first act is where I, I think I have my favorite uh, Juliet moment. I mean, she does play, given she was 15, 16 at the time, she did play that like annoyed teenager mm-hmm. at the time. So like all of her moments. But uh, I guess it's kind of slapstick, like her eyes frozen shut and everything mm-hmm. and just like shivering by the um, the tree when they cut it down in the beginning. And they're like, that's my favorite. He's like, oh, Audrey, why don't you react to the tree? And she's like, the mom's like, oh, she will, honey. Her eyes are just frozen right now. Right. Love that. What was yours? I like when she was shaving the carrot in the kitchen, mm. talking to her mom about sharing a bed with her brother and how disturbing it was. Yeah. And then her mom was like, I share a bed with your father. <laughs> Love that. Uh, my favorite was... It's really small, but when the dad is about to open up his Christmas bonus and he's going on about, like, how great it's going to be for, like, so long. And then kind of right before he opens it, you can see Juliet look, like, suspicious. Like, she's Uh. like, I don't know if the bonus is going to be that big or I don't know if this is going to work out. And then it ends up being nothing. She knew. That was, I was like... She was the audience proxy in that moment. Uh, And then the next award is a custom award. Mine was hottest couple, and it goes to Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her husband, who looks like Maury from Gilmore Girls. There's like a little bit. Has like that style. There's like vinyl plasticky workout outfits that I love. I loved their like abode, their bedroom that looks like a Polly Pocket house with like a slanty Mm -hmm. couch, Mm -hmm. and it's all like very hip. They all look like, um... Wikipedia says they're yuppies. Okay. Well, I saw them internally as more of, like, a chic jazz couple. Jazz. But maybe that's just because I wasn't alive (laughs) in the 80s. What was your custom award? Uh, I already mentioned this scene, but I I had uh, Best Eye Roll was uh, Russ at the department store. Mm. Nice. What about you, Jake? Mine was Best Use um, that I've personally ever seen, actually, of ladder humor. Oh, the attic door? There's, we are, no, we are that. so different because every time he was on that ladder, I just was upset. Like when he oh, was on the yeah, ladder yeah. decorating the house because he kept like falling and I thought it was interesting. I, I, <laughs> it piqued my interest. He was giving intrigue. me a very strong Tim Allen in the Santa Claus vibes. We don't talk about Tim Allen. Tim Allen, the Santa Claus, I think is my favorite Christmas movie. He's a Republican. I know, but so is Roseanne. She thought the bitch was white. <laughs> Tim Allen is always posting the genuinely, like, the most disquieting tweets. And I'm going to see if I can bring some up now. Actually, I don't want to edit this uh, to remove the... It's giving Tim Allen. It's giving Tim Allen. Um... Disquieting tweets, disquieting... It's a new segment. How are your branches, Tim Allen? How? Wait, no, Tim Allen, Tim Allen. Whoa. Okay, Tim Allen on October fifth posted uh, a sign with like another sign under it. There was some like lint work oh, being yeah. done. Mm-hmm. It said "Real Men Working in Trees," and then there was a sign underneath it that said "Real Men Respect Women Honor Creator Respect the Trees that They Climb and the Animals There." These are my men. And then there's a phone number, that which Tim Allen has cropped out. Uh, and he posted it and wrote, Grateful for these kind of men working in our neighborhood. Jesus Christ. Posted a picture of... Real men working in trees? Real men working in trees. Real men respect creator. Respect creator. <laughs> respect women. Is Honor that what we're creator. Is God these days? Yes. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Tim Allen is like a neo-conservative being like listen i don't care which god you respect as long as he hates gay people true all Um, right okay did we all do our custom awards i think we did sick do we have any other ending segments do we have anything to plug do we have anything to do you have anything to plug any uh nothing official yet yeah i have shows i just can't talk about them yet 
NDA. Cool. Really? Yeah, live music is coming back. He signed a contract. Sam, He's not allowed plug. to tell us. What? I have something to plug. What do you have to plug? Our podcast is back. Our podcast is back. Oh, go see improv team Go Dummy. <laughs> With like half of the people from our old improv team. Neither Jake nor I are on it, but it's the the best people from Tight Principles and the best people from Tucker's other improv team that he had while we were doing Tight Principles. Um, Sam's Minus- shows seven times a week. I'm doing... I'm we don't know when this is coming out, though. Of comedy. I'm probably just going to upload it tomorrow. Whoa. Because I didn't talk shit about anybody, mm. and so I don't have anything to edit out. I think, though, we should wait. We should do a promo cycle. You know what? Our last episode was recorded on June 29th. It came out November oh, 14th. Okay, yeah. I didn't promo it yet, though, because I forgot. So okay. let's wait a week. We'll see. We'll see when this episode comes and, out. Because we need to have people guess what we're doing. We're recording it on right? November sixteenth. What? We have, need to have people guess who we're doing. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, you guys are going to <laughs> love who our newest person that we're covering is on the podcast. You might recognize her from being emancipated at the age of fourteen. <laughs> Uh, from get, from fucking a pedophile in August Osage County. She didn't do that. Oh, she did. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And then she and then she's like, "Listen, he buys me things." Oh, true. <laughs> and he's like actively grooming Abigail Breslin. I mean, it happens. It's very Viola Davis in doubt. <gasps> it's just still June. I have such doubts. Okay, that's the end of the podcast. Bye. Bye.